Welcome to the Finding God in the Body podcast. I'm Ben Riggs. Before we get into this episode, I'd like to take a moment and encourage all of my listeners to subscribe to this podcast. It's available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. I'd also like to encourage anyone who wants to support the podcast to share their favorite episode with their friends on social media with a brief intro encouraging them to listen and share it as well. You can also support the podcast by ordering the book, Finding God in the Body, A Spiritual Path for the Modern West. You can go to FindingGodInTheBody.com, and there you'll find two options for ordering. One is the Amazon option, and if you are a Prime member, then by all means, please take advantage of your free shipping. But if you have no incentive for ordering from Amazon, then I encourage you to order through CreateSpace, uh, as less of your money will go to Jeff Bezos and more to me, the author of the book, through the CreateSpace option. So, uh, at any rate, I'd like to thank everybody who does support this podcast for their support. And now we can turn our attention towards this week's episode. As anyone who listens to this podcast or follows me on Facebook knows, I'm no fan of Donald Trump. In fact, I'm a pretty vocal opponent of Donald Trump's. I often take to Facebook and Twitter to share my disdain for many of Trump's decisions and the way that he carries himself and represents our country. And it's not uncommon for me to find in the comment sections below my posts people writing things like, why don't you focus on spirituality and forget about politics, it's a distraction, or trust God, he's got this under control, which is a completely meaningless statement to me. Or, and this is really more to the point, someone saying something, ask or asking something like, how is this connected to your happiness? As if happiness was nothing more than a superficial smile on your face, and it doesn't include a wide array of concerns ranging from not only my personal well-being, but interpersonal relationships into the political arena. In fact, I'm asked questions like this often enough that I felt it necessary to do an entire podcast episode about this particular issue. Are politics a distraction from our spirituality? And the answer to that question really depends on how you define spirituality. One of the common and very unfortunate consequences of popular religion in the West, particularly like fundamentalism within the context of Christianity, is that there is a otherworldliness associated with spirituality. Obviously, the most common manifestation of this otherworldliness is the belief that spirituality is working towards a conclusion that is not of this world that it's all about getting to heaven, it's all about the afterlife, it's all about ferrying souls to this sort of never-never land. It is a complete and total disregard of the here and now. I've even heard people use this way of thinking to rebut climate change, saying, what's the point of addressing climate change when we're not even made for this world, that eventually this planet will be scrapped and it will all be about the kingdom of heaven? Which, of course, is a ridiculous point of view. In fact, it's so ridiculous and so dislodged from reality that it makes it difficult to find enough common ground, if not impossible, to find enough common ground to even have a discussion or a debate with an individual who sees the world through this lens. But the truth is that many people who do not consciously subscribe to a fundamentalist ideology 
do residually or unconsciously hold on to this otherworldly implication that's associated with spirituality. A lot of your New Agey types, people who gravitate towards A Course on Miracles or The Secret or even towards Deepak Chopra and Eckhart Tolle, and even some people that you find running in more contemplative circles, uh, whether that be contemplative Christianity or Buddhism, hold on to this kind of otherworldly implication. They believe that spirituality is all about their individual peace and all about their individual happiness and that anything that disturbs that, anything that presses their buttons, should be seen as a distraction, something to be avoided because it interferes with the practice of their spirituality. And so they practice a closeted spirituality. It's not a spirituality that turns into their personal suffering. It's not a spirituality that turns into stress and anger and depression and works with those issues. It's a spirituality that tries to hide from the things that pushes our buttons. This isn't spirituality. This is an escape plan. It's an attempt to shelter in place or hide from those aspects of our daily life that trigger stress, anxiety, fear, anger. It's spiritual bypassing, not spiritual practice. Spirituality is not an otherworldly affair at all. It's a principal worldview coupled with a system of practice that orients our whole being to the world in which we live. And in America, we live in a democratic society. We live in a political system that expects us that requires us to participate. So politics is not a distraction from spirituality. It's just another aspect of our daily life that spirituality is deeply concerned with. Saying that politics is a distraction from spirituality is like saying relationships or work are obstacles to spiritual practice. They aren't obstacles. They are opportunities for our spirituality to be born into the world. Segregating politics and spirituality is an attempt to closet your spirituality, to shield it from the things that pushes your buttons, rather than turning into those struggles and learning to move beyond your stress, your fear, and your anger. Our spirituality should turn into those emotional disturbances. They should work with those hang-ups so that we can be both present and engaged without being angry or afraid, without becoming belligerent or disrespectful. When we're confronted with an opposing political ideology, one that we believe is harmful to the country, not just something that we disagree with, but something that we believe actually undermines the values that we as a nation stand for, in that moment, we're not called to hide behind some empty smile or to look the other way. We're called to be engaged. Any spirituality that tells you to look the other way is a defense mechanism, not a spirituality. It's an attempt to generate and perpetuate this illusion that we're some kind of enlightened being, someone that's beyond getting worked up or losing our temper. An authentic spiritual practice turns into those shortcomings. It acknowledges and accepts that we can get worked up and we often do lose our temper. And it takes those obstacles as our path. It enables us to practice the principles of mindfulness in the midst of those political discourses so that we can be mindful rather than stressed out when we're having those conversations. It enables us to bring compassion to bear within the context of those conversations rather than anger. So spiritual practice doesn't turn away from those conversations. It sees those conversations as an opportunity to practice the spiritual principles that we proclaim. And that's what I mean by our spirituality is immediately concerned with our politics. 
that the two cannot be separated from one another. When I say that, I do not mean that religion and politics cannot be separated. Obviously, that in and of itself is un-American. I'm talking about practicing basic spiritual principles in our politics, in our political discourse. Principles that have no particular religious affiliation or allegiance to a particular religious tradition. Gandhi once wrote, Those who say religion has nothing to do with politics do not know what religion is. Indeed, religion should pervade every one of our actions. Here, religion does not mean sectarianism. It means a belief in a moral, ordered government of the universe. It is not less real because it is unseen. This religion transcends Hinduism, Islam, Christianity, etc. It does not supersede them. It harmonizes them and gives them reality. This religion that Gandhi talks about transcending Hinduism, Islam, Christianity, essentially he's saying that it's the religion that transcends all of our world religions. That's what I've been calling spirituality. And an authentic spirituality is politically conscious and engaged. But it's not obsessed, and that's the catch. This day and age, with a 24-hour news cycle and a controversial president that dominates every minute of that cycle, it's difficult to watch the news or to read the papers without getting caught up in it. Often, spiritual principles and activism feel mutually exclusive, but the truth is that uniting the two is our path. It's the path that we Americans have to walk. And if we fail to do this, we're either going to neglect our civic responsibility or our politics are going to become more and more tainted with fear and aggression. Being present and politically engaged without losing your center seems like a daunting task, and it can be at times. But fortunately for us, there have been people in the not-so-distant past, and even here in the present day, that show us the way. Dorothy Day, Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., Thich Nhat Hanh, and the Dalai Lama are all perfect examples of the path that we have to walk. The basic outline of spirituality remains unchanged, but the terrain that that path has to cover changes with each generation. And it's no accident that these great icons of spiritual activism have come before us, showing us the way, and that they're here in our midst right now. They have outlined the path that's before us. Their activism is rooted in prayer and meditation, and ours has to be too. Venturing into the realm of politics without tethering the mind to reality is the way of madness. Meditation anchors the mind in the present moment, but it's not enough just to sit every morning. Mindful activism is meditation in action. We have to bring the principles of meditation practice, letting go and returning to the simplicity of the present moment, coming back to reality as it is. We have to bring those principles into our daily life. In the presence of injustice, it's common that we're going to feel fear, anger, and aggression. But we have to disown those feelings. We have to let go of the fear, anger, and aggression. Not our awareness of the injustice. Our awareness of the injustice is grounded in reality. We have to own that. And it demands that we speak out. Furthermore, politics devoid of compassion is just another way to vent resentment. And our body of politics is already saturated with resentment. Prayer connects the mind and the heart, melting away resentment. William James, the great American psychologist and philosopher, wrote in Varieties of Religious Experience, Religion is nothing if it be not the vital act by which the entire mind seeks to save itself by clinging to the principle from which it draws life. That act is prayer. And the heart is the principle from which the mind draws life. 
But once again, it is not enough to pray only in the morning. We have to see aggression as a reminder to pray throughout the day. When we are afraid or angry, we have to stop and we have to pray for those that arouse our bitterness. We have to pray for those that are in need as well. Prayer gets us out of our head, out of our self-centered mind, and it awakens the spirit of selflessness and sanity. And that is what our politics need. Our politics need selfless and sane voices. Spirituality reminds us that it is our responsibility to be that voice of sanity, to be a light unto the world. And I say that not with a condescending tone, but, that with, but with an awareness that I too must work harder to bring mindfulness and compassion and spirituality into my politics. Politics is a sticky subject. It's easy to get caught up in it. But the spiritual path always cuts through our obstacles. It never goes around them. And this is the path that we in the era of Trump must trudge. And we have to do it together. Part of doing it together is holding each other accountable. When we see someone with good intentions lash out or become disrespectful, it's important that we point that out to them. We have to remind them that what they say is every bit as important as how they say it. Yes, we're obligated to speak the truth, but we're also obligated to do that in a skillful manner. If we oppose hate, then we have to oppose it even when it's attached to a message that we can otherwise agree with, because hate, in any form, only adds to the problems that we face as a nation. Hate is not the countermeasure to injustice. As Martin Luther King Jr. said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that.